And we're back. It's your boy, Wardo Jackson, CEO, founder, creator of the Cinema Draft Game. Uh, he's already disrupting my intro. Love this dude. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to a man I've known for almost a decade, favorite personality of mine from the old poker live stream I used to host as Swag, official in the building. He's a poker playing, playwriting, right back chasing pride of Glasgow, Scotland. No, I said that wrong. It's the original Gadgie with the best accent in the biz. It's Martin J. Taylor. How we doing, mate? How we doing? What up, Marty? <laughs> Go America. Go America. <laughs> what, the, what do you have in your hand right there, Marty? What, what is that? What you doing, man? It's the stars and the stripes, mate. I just thought I had. it's an American podcast. You guys are all very patriotic. I've heard. I've seen a lot of, uh, this is a film podcast. I know you guys are patriotic. So I didn't want to be you to be offended by my lack of patriotism. So I've got an American flag. and I'm just waving it just a little bit. And then we're done. Then at least you know that I am legit. Uh, you know what? I will put your name higher up on the list on the H-1B visa if necessary. All right? Put that thing away, Dave. You look like an idiot. All right. Oh. <laughs> This is a pro-Scotland podcast, damn it. Our, oh, our, our Andy Cohen-inspired Watch What Happens lifestyle drinking game tonight shall be the word proud. Every time you hear one of us say this word, take a sip of what you're sipping, because tonight's pod will end up covering all the films and make you proud to be Scottish. Yeah, I've got Pinot Noir. No, Pinot Grigio. I've got Pinot Grigio. <laughs> is that Scottish? No, it's French. Are you, are you... Chin Chin. Is it French? Oh, this was made in California in 2018. There's no getting away from it. <laughs> America, we're we're everywhere. Yeah, nice. All right, so we're gonna, you're gonna see me slip into some accents this this podcast. I can't help it. It's actor at heart. I love me a good accent. My boy Marty over here. Tell me something good with the global coronavirus plaguing the the world. The social contracts on fire. People are protesting and riding the streets as well. We should. BLM, damn it. I just want to hear something good from your corner of the world. Tell me something good, Marty. I made this afternoon a stunning dal, vegan-friendly, stunning dal, uh, beautifully seasoned. I uh, put some potatoes in, so it's a sag dal. I think you can call it a sag dal. Okay, what's a sag dal? I'm a dumb American. Yeah, potatoes, I believe, a sag okay. All right. in Indian. Uh, it was absolutely delicious, absolutely nutritious, and uh, it's not worked its way through yet, so I'm feeling good. <laughs> will, will the wine act as an accelerant? Yes, that and the spinach that I had yesterday. We're keeping it healthy. We're keeping it healthy. You know what? The draft mom, uh, aka Brown Baby in the game, aka my mom, she would approve. She's all about her roughage. So <laughs> you gotta keep it moving. You've got to keep it moving. All right, and in, in, in keeping it moving, we'll go to my favorite segment: what we're watching. That's right, and I'm and I'm going to share my screen because I am still obsessed. I think I talked about this two weeks ago when we had Jay Devlin on, and this is, of course, my love for the show Outlander. Not to be confused with Highlander, of which I'm still trying to work my way through. I'm not a fan so far. Anyways, Outlander is—it's incredible. Damn it, I'm in season three. I think I just finished episode eight. This shit is wild. It is very sexy, very romantic, super gory and graphic as well. I mean, 
it's a lot, but I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, sorry, this this show. I mean, I, I watched maybe about three or four episodes a week, if that. I mean, very well cast. Katrina Ball. I, I, I can't. I think I'm messing with it. Yeah, it's Katrina. It's spelled in a very tradition traditionally Irish way, I guess. Katrina Ball, the the lead, gorgeous, very. So, gorgeous. are you telling me the lead Scottish person is played by an Irish person? No, the lead. So, uh, so, so, based with those who don't know, it's about. I don't I, watch it. I'm Scottish. I don't watch Outlander. No, no, no. I, I know, and we'll get to that in a second. I actually want to get your your take on this real quick. Uh, basically, this it's a it's on stars in the United States. Uh, a, a 1945 British combat nurse is transported back to 1943 Scotland, and she kind of has to adapt to you know being 200 years before her time, and she ends up in a torrid romance with a Scottish Highlander at the height of clan with a C clan culture when they're you know about to have their uprising against the British. And, or against the English, and it's you know, and it's or as a, we like to call them, the bastard English. There you go, there you go, and <laughs> it's it's really it's wild because she's, I mean, so she's an Irish actress playing an English person who becomes very pro Scottish because she marries like the Scottish Highlander guy, and it's on the Scots, on the Scots, yeah, and, and and so I mean, so even before you know we start you know chatting you know off air or whatever again. Uh, you know, and you indoctrinating me into you know the struggle of the Scottish. I mean, I was getting loads of it from Outlander, and so this is the part of the podcast where I ask you if you're familiar at all with Outlander, and you're not. And tell us the reason why, Marty. Okay, right. In 2014, there was a referendum, and it was a Scottish referendum to see if Scotland wanted to be an independent country. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Outlander, yeah, 2014. Now. People in America were able to watch Outlander, but in Scotland we were not able to watch Outlander. They and you can I think you can Google this and find some stuff that it was kind of pretty much kept from the eyes and ears of the proud Scots who may or may not have wanted independence because it might, you know, spark up sort of uh, any kind of notions of uh, self determination and national pride and just maybe wanting to be free of the the clutches of the imperialist English forces Uh, and if we watched something like this it might just turn our heads and that's not good because obviously you know the Scots have to be programmed into believing that we are subsidy junkies Mm. and that um, the English the kind-hearted English uh, with all their money, all their imperialist in, in, and, and let's be honest, uh, ethically gained money, they uh, th- they look after the Scots and that they subsidise us, or we would perish. And all that oil and gas and water and natural resources like wind that we have. Did you know that Scotland, Scotland actually creates enough wind energy to to power itself? We're good. Oh, the wee Scots? No, the wee Scots. Okay. The wee Scots! The wee Scots! The wee proud Scots! With our deep-fried Mars bars! Well, well, well far be it for, uh, for this well, podcast not censored in, the, in, in the, the United Kingdom, but that right there is a nutshell of how you know, the Scottish people feel about the English imperialists and why Outlander, such great programming, very pro-Scottish, but it's pro-freedom. Uh, pro-freedom. is unavailable in your locale. It's but a, we don't a, mention we don't mention the B word. Oh, okay. What do you 
you well you said about freedom you mentioned freedom that's the you're 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 one step of separation from the b word you know what the b word is bastards no it's a film it's a film it's a scottish film oh uh, oh, scottish film oh um don't say it's the b word mel gibson oh (laughs) how quick so we frequently indulge what i like to call cultural cul-de-sacs on this show let's go to a quick cultural cul-de-sac on on the b word and i'll I'll share my screen just so people can see it if they're watching on youtube this is actually a podcast so people who are five oscars in the bag five oscars in the bag for the racist anti-semite commonly known as mel gibson let's let's just yeah (laughs) yeah i mean so 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 mel gibson's b movie what do what do actual scots think of that movie well look i've seen it once at the cinema and then i saw it on telly and I will never watch it again. Just because, one, look, he's a racist anti-Semite, okay? Okay. Possibly with violent... You know, he's just... He's not a nice man. You don't want to support him, no. There's that, yeah? The film is historically all over the place, right? (laughs) Okay. It's historically all over the place, and, you know, it's... It's that thing where Hollywood does... You know, Hollywood does the Holocaust... Hollywood does slavery. Hollywood does the Scots, yeah? Hollywood does the Irish. Hollywood does, uh, you know, what I'm ta- the Middle East. You know what I'm talking about, right? Right. And it's, so it's, it's still Hollywood, right? Now, is, is, is it a good film? Oh, James Cosmo. There he is, James Cosmo. I mean, is it? But look, why can we never get a Scottish person to play a Scottish person? Why is that so difficult? <laughs> You know what? Black people have been thinking and saying the same thing. We are just maybe getting our reckoning now, but I have hope for the Scots as well. I mean, look, and I'm I'm keeping it real here. I'm keeping it real. Let's let's not keep the keep it a buck. Keep it one hundred. Go for it. Right. Keep it one hundred. See, if I was a middle class English person, I'd have been gutted. I'd have been gutted over Bridget Jones going to an American. Ah, yeah. Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> She's brilliant, but how many posh? Imagine, imagine you were like, wait a minute, an American's got Bridget Jones. Wait, that was that was my movie. That was my movie. <laughs> but, but you know, back actually, we have it all. Trust, we have it all the time. David Oyelowo, excellent actor. I have no qualms with him. I loved his performance as Martin Luther King. But I mean, and there is a small faction in the black actor community. I would say African American actor community that gets annoyed at at Brits, you know, taking our roles when it comes to historical figures. I personally, as an actor, you know, lapsed actor, I guess, been what twenty five years, whatever. But I, 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 I don't mind it so much because I'm. It's not so much like I think like oh it should be colorblind casting the best roles go to the part. I honestly believe in that entirely. But he's a great actor. I was fine with it. If you do a good job, I'm fine with it. They for some reason it seems super easy for pretty much any foreigners to do American accents. But the converse, it's like we can never nail it. Think real quick. Give me an American actor who can do a British accent well. Oh look, I haven't seen the film. But Willem Dafoe, I saw the I saw the clips of Lighthouse, okay. and he's playing like "oar oar," kind of like you know, "don't go down there." Right. And uh, look, I've got a bad tooth. Um, I'm waiting on. I just keep looking at my thing. When I open my mouth, I'm, I'm halfway through. Do you know? Before the COVID, I was halfway through 
uh, oral dental surgery or whatever you call it. Oh no, incomplete. Yeah, I have a gap where I have a gap where a crown should be, and I just noticed myself when I'm smiling. I'm going to refrain from smiling, okay? <laughs> no, because no, free, because I look like free. a vagrant. I look like a vagrant, and that will bring the tone of your podcast down. And I know <laughs> that this is an upwardly mobile, high-tech experience <laughs> for the listeners, and really I would never jeopardize that for you, Swag, and you it know really that. It really is not, but it would confirm all these, all these notions Americans have of, of uh, British dentistry. So, but anyways. I, if I you can CGI that in later, I'm okay, right? <laughs> All right, anyways, before we get too our, off track, let me go to the second thing I'm watching this week. And from our, from our draft stream game, I had little faith in it, but it turned out to be delightful. And it's Eurovision. This Eurovision Song Contest, the story oh, of Fire Saga. Yeah, <laughs> I can see Marty shaking his head already, for those of you listening at home. And yes, I thought it'd be a wee bit shite, but no, this thing was delightful. And the reason why it's delightful, it's two words one person it's rachel mcadams she always comes to play damn it she's so fun in this movie it, the trailers were terrible i had no faith in this i thought it'd be another one of those kind of write-off will ferrell dumb comedies it is a dumb comedy but it has so much heart it's goofy it's hilarious and it's got some great songs actually do people talented. know what the univision song contest is in the united states of america that's the issue here generally if you're like a millennial or older, probably not. But the younger people seem to know what it was. It was trending hard in the United States on Twitter on Friday and maybe even Saturday night. And the, the costumes are batshit crazy. The, I mean, it, everyone's got a bad accent in this movie. Everyone. And that's part of the kitschy charm in front of it. I mean, they're playing Iceland. They play an Icelandic duo um, that have known each other all their lives uh, and, and singing together. They're kind of like in, in a small town in Iceland. They're terrible singers, but the town believes in them. And when, uh, 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 let's just say, a mishap with a boat happens that kind of wipes out their competition, it elevates them into the Eurovision Song Contest. And it's really fun. I guess a lot of Euro uh, pop stars... Is it anti-Iceland? Is this film poking fun at the great Icelandic people? No, it's revering it. Actually, the... Good, the, good, good. No, it, just... it, actually, the, the best song in the whole thing is sung by, uh, I, I believe, like an Icelandic uh, singer... Uh, or a group called My Marianne, beautiful song. I downloaded it last night. It's it's on it's on like my rotation right now. And I guess like all these types of um, I guess uh, there, it's filled with a bunch of cameos of Euro. Two points to your audience. Two points to your audience if they can name the capital of Iceland without googling it. Two well, points. No. Uh, can you do it? Yeah, Reykjavik. I knew that before. Oh, you get it out. Oh, don't. They're not good. I mean, no, but I'm still saying, like, I mean, I, I only knew that because I, I, you know, when the recession hit, I read all these books about why, you know, we all got fucked. I mean, the whole Iceland uh, financial thing was a thing. The whole, I, the, the failure of Iceland's uh, economy was a thing because they you know, locked up some bankers. Yeah, yeah. The only, probably, I think the only country that actually threw people in jail for financial crimes is awesome. I think it's the only country in the world where it's actually not illegal to lock up a banker. <laughs> it's it's actually you can't do it in America. Well, you know, it's, like to it's do not it illegal here. It's just never enforced, which is you know that's that's for another podcast. You know, anyways. But yeah, so beautiful country. Um, the draft mom loved this, and Rachel McAdams. The thing I love about Rachel McAdams is that she never feels like she's above the material. She always goes in, and she goes in hard, whatever she's doing. And she's she's a consummate pro. She's 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 a talented actor. Her accent's terrible. I don't care. 
great to look at, fun game. She's ready to do whatever she wants, whatever the, the, the script requires. I, I mean, you may not like it. I know you like more serious fare, Marty. No, 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 no. I, don't, don't, don't do me down. Don't, don't do me down like that, man. Pierce Brosnan, too, is in it. It's great. He's just so great. <laughs> So, so that's what I've been watching. Oh, and they've got Graham Norton. So you know about Graham Norton, do you? Do you know about Graham Norton? Yeah, yeah. I, actually, pretty much any major show or release in the United States, if it's if it's a worldwide proposition, they'll send a, they'll send them over to be on Graham Norton. So yeah. So Graham Norton does the actual commentary on the actual Eurovision Song Contest. Oh, that. And he yeah, no, that's for real. Stuff. That's his job. That's one oh, of that's his cool. jobs. To the audience, to your good self. Watch the Eurovision Song Contest. Next time it comes around, you'll be able to find a stream somewhere. It's the camp. It's camper than a row of tents. It is the <laughs> campest thing that you will ever see in your life. It's, it is, it's bad, but it's good. So then, then this parody actually might have been a documentary because they captured a lot of the camp and the fun. I truly enjoyed it. So, Marty, what are you watching? Okay, so... I watched, right, like so. I went on a website and I looked at the top films of 2019 that I, and I was looking for films that I didn't know okay. and I hadn't seen that there were in the language. Have you seen Parasite? Yes, saw it at the cinema. Okay, cool. All right. All right, we're good. We're very pro-Parasite here. I'm a Parasite junkie. I've seen it. No, I, I loved it. I loved it. Loved it, right? So, but I, I watch a lot of uh, films that are not in the English language. Oh my God, what am I doing with my hands? So I watched a lot of films that are not in the English language and uh, I wanted to watch some English language films just because, you know, I roll both ways. So I was looking down the list and the first film that I didn't know that was best of the year was a film and it was, you know, English language was Dolomite Is My Name. Ah, yeah. So I downloaded it. I downloaded it. Let's not say if I did it legally or illegally. Let's just say I downloaded it. Now you're telling yourself. No need to do that here. (laughs) Right? And um, I downloaded it. I had no idea what the film was about or who was in it. And then first thing that comes up, I'm like, oh, my God, this is kind of from the 70s. It's got that beautiful sort of golden brown color scheme, saturated colors, and it said, starring Eddie Murphy. I'm like, wow, this is the Eddie Murphy film. And I had no idea who Dolomite was. I had no idea of this story. I laughed. I cried. I Just two hours edu- <laughs> I was educated. I, I Honestly, mate, I would have given the Oscar to Eddie Murphy. It's the best thing I've ever seen him do. It made me really, like, draw a line in my opinion, that says, no, this guy is a great actor. He He's in that character. He is doing it. It's it's not vain. He's not vain. He's got a belly. He's got sag. He's got paunch. This is not a man in his prime. This is no vanity. Everything was serving the story. Wesley Snipes. Yes. Wesley, like, can I tell you something about Wesley Snipes? Please Wesley do. Snipes is a trained actor. He's a oh, Shakespearean, God, yeah. classically yeah. trained actor. And he he was doing bits in this film. He was showing me, he was, like, I'm trained as an actor. I'm classically trained, okay? Right. I've told you that before. Classically trained, went to drama school in London. Same here, although your training is far better than mine was. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Let's not school talk about drama. You know, be proud, be proud. So what I was seeing was Wesley Snipes was giving out acting 
game, if you know what I mean. He was just showing these little twirls and these little, do you know what I mean? He was doing stuff, yeah? Like a rapper. You know when a rapper lets us know that they've got it, you know what I mean? And they just, they take it to the next level. Wesley Snipes, oh man, I just, I love Wesley Snipes. When he's on, when he's giving it, like, he's a proper actor. He's got a lot in the locker, a lot in the locker. He's underused. He's underused. I like he's that. Like, a lot in the locker. Yeah. And I'm he's got a lot that. in the locker. Yeah. So I loved this movie. I loved everything about it. it. It just, I've told everybody I know to see it. I just think it's just, I, you know what I mean? It's a 10. It's a 10. And pretty it's much 10, every right? like historic, well, not history, historically, but like almost like every eighties and nineties to aughts, like, good actor like stops by for a second like we saw chris rock for a second we saw uh, you know keegan michael peel is in here yeah i mean every divine joy ram she's on the rise she's so good and she so was amazing good. she was amazing she's so good i mean you know, like i said wesley i mean it's, it's great yeah this is this is a joy give me one other thing you're watching marty well look look you know because we spoke about it i watched bamboozled yeah you buddy recommend- our, our movie of the our quarantine movie of the week you told me about this, um, and I downloaded it, and I watched it literally an hour and a half ago. Mm. And I love Spike Lee, um, and I hadn't seen this film. And I said to you, the first thing that re- is that Spike Lee is a great film director. He is a great film director. And the thing about great film directors is that when you watch them, in a film where they get to show off who they are and what they are and what they're about. That's not always going to be their best film or a perfect film because you're going to get bits where like in, and I'm thinking Jean-Luc Godard, I'm thinking Antonioni, I'm talking like the heavy hitters, you know, where you just have to go look that they're indulging themselves right now, but I don't mind. I don't mind. Sometimes you got to let them cook. Sometimes you have to let them cook. Yeah, and they are showing individual uh, signatures, if you know what I mean. Individual flourishes, yeah. yeah? And I just thought it was a really brave film, a brave film. The last time, it came out in 2000. Can you imagine? The last, yeah, the last half hour of the film is brilliant. It's uncomfortable. You see more and more and more images of negro iconography from what i believe to be like the 1850s to the present day and it's disgusting it's this it just it's i don't mean disgusting and it, it's you know what i'm talking about that it's, it's it's disturbing and, and it's disturbing right. but it's it's look it's how can i say this it's you just as I've said to you, America is a racist country. Sorry, I love America. I love you. I love everybody. But America is a racist country with a racist past. And that when you start to see this iconography that is basically waving a flag and almost celebrating this, this terrible past out of context. You know what I mean? It's in the context of the film, but right. it's only when you... It's it, like I say, if I went into a shop and I see that, you know, as I have done in America, I've been to bric-a-brac shops and I've, Baltimore has them, yeah? Because I spend a lot of time in Baltimore and yeah. it's, it's, uh, May, it, like I say, it, basically what I'm trying to say is, uh, when's the revolution? <laughs> and yes, you know. And when, when it comes, you're ready, huh? Yeah, big you're time. You're with us. Big, but look, I really, really, really want to say that Spike Lee 
is an incredible filmmaker. He is brave. He is brave. Um, you know, he is taking chances. He is in risk of isolating himself. We know that his movies don't get supported at the box office by, I believe, the marketing campaigns. I don't think they push his films. Some of these films, distribution-wise, advertising-wise, is what they could. Because he is, and this is the thing, Dolomite, it's a 10 out of 10. Yeah, great. But there are things in Bamboozled that make you uncomfortable, that make you angry, that upset you, that disturb you, made me cry. I cried a lot. And uh, that's something only great filmmakers can do. Like you watch their film and it's going to stay with you. And it's I kind of went over this. You. And I kind of went over this last week when, uh, when we had uh, our boy ring balls on about bamboos and why I, I like it so much. And at the time I was doing movie reviews and it was my 2000 uh, <clears throat> movie of the year, hands down. It was just, and I think it came out like in August or something. I was like, look, every other movie, the rest of the year can just go home. This is the movie of the year, partially because of what it's saying and the way he said it, but also to me, it, it, and it's a satire and satire is hard to do well. Uh, and as John Stewart will attest with his irresistible, which actually wasn't that bad um, this past weekend, but uh, it's it's totally satire and it's and it does deal with tough imagery and 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 you know tough themes, but also it forces, like you said, the racist past of America in your face so viscerally that as a black person who's you know has you know this type of uh, of who's been exposed to this type of stuff my entire life and has you know generational pain pretty much in my DNA. I mean, you can't help but laugh at how. Re- not only just ridiculous it is, but like how plausible it is. And there are so many parts of that movie verbatim that are still be that are still used and, and talked about to this day that I would see that I just point out to my mom, like, look, that just happened. Or they just said something just like Spike said 20 years ago. So sadly, until America gets the shit together, which probably won't be in my lifetime, it'll be a timeless classic by Spike Lee that as you know, was underseen because it only think I think only made like two or three million at the box office in 2000 that part of my money's in that i saw it at the theater loved it raved about it but it it was so hot to handle no one in 2001 to go see it and i think it's getting a bit of a second half-life on video now that people now that america's finally possibly confronting its own racist past from yeah standpoint yeah and here's the thing i mean like this is the thing right is that I don't think Spike Lee gets enough credit for his greatness as a pure filmmaker, right? So I was thinking about this, okay? So if we cast our minds back to do the right thing, which is often, you know, people will arguably his greatest film. There's a little bit in Do the Right Thing. You know the three old guys that sit and they sit outside? Yep. And, they, you know, they... They do what they do. And it's a bright reddish orange wall behind yeah. them. And if I'm not mistaken, like a blue, you know, and he's and using colors. Like the parasol and yeah. Yes. Yes. Now, you don't need to do that, right? Most people don't bother. Yes, they've got a cinematographer and you figure out a color, you know, palette and all this. But he is a pure cineast, a pure cinema, maker of cinema, of moving pictures, yeah? And that he's doing stuff 
all the time. There's not just a simple put the camera here. And you see that in Bamboozled. Some of the editing is deliberately jarring. Some of the camera positions on the single shots where it's just, you know, a shot of, you know, like a close-up of a head. He'll put that head. There we go. Look, yeah, that. That's, you know, that's a shot from... (laughs) Robin Hood. It's just beautiful. Yeah. But somebody has to say, we want that red and we want them wearing what they're wearing. We want that parasol to be kind of multicolored polka dot and it's beautiful. And it's, it's, that shot is a piece of art. Yeah. Now, I I don't, I don't think he gets enough credit for being a cine literate as what he really is because, because there are, uh, if he was was white, he'd be Tarantino. They would fed him like Tarantino, no doubt. More than Tarantino, more than Tarantino, more than Tarantino. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying like on a talent perspective, whatever. I'm saying like in in you know American cineast you know circles, whatever. Which I sometimes traffic. Yeah, the uh, contribution, you know, like the contribution yeah, yeah, contrib- to the art. He would, he would. I mean, when people talk about when they talk about like the best filmmakers of all time, it's always the same guys: Scorsese, it's Spielberg, it's Tarantino. Those and all those are valid, but Spike because he deals with such difficult for white people to accept subject matter he usually is either relegated second tier he's never in the first breath is what i'm saying well well maybe not maybe not in america okay or white america mm-hmm. but uh i'm not you know like because uh, yeah I, i'm not comfortable with um, okay, that's martin martin had a bit part i totally forgot about that Man, Martin, Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. I'm, we, yeah. I'm sorry. We can cold second this forever. I'm actually gonna try to steer the ship back a little bit. But cool. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, bamboozled, excellent, endorsed, obviously by this podcast and myself. Our quarantine movie of the week last week. Go it's a beautiful go. film. It's an uncomfortable film, but it's a beautiful film. Look, and, when you see the entire audience in blackface, that's uncomfortable. <laughs> and honestly, not too far off the truth present day now too it, it's why all the all the performative allyship i mean yeah it's, it's been wild lately it's been wild but let's do this back into our subject this week we are doing you know what we're doing top five scottish movies i i'm not even sure if i can come up with five that aren't totally problematic so let's do top three scottish movies if that's i'll right. do five you do three okay you know what that's fair Seeding ground to the resident Scott on on this because podcast. I'm going to do more than five, I think, and that's for a reason. But okay, the reason okay, will well, be clear. Well, kick, kick me a couple years then. Uh, so, well, basically, so basically, well, no, no, hold on a second. Basically, the way we we do it is we, we will name a movie that's either set or using Scotland as a character, uh, uh, or the Scottish people or culture. We will alternate picks, and once someone picks a movie, that movie is out of play. And Marty, as you are the guest, okay, you may go first. I'm going to start with a film called. I'm not going to take what could be your pick, so I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. Yeah, the leave other the easy stuff. Yeah, leave the easy American yeah. stuff. For so me. I'm going to start with uh, Lynn Ramsey's first motion picture from 1999. It's called Ratcatcher. Uh, it's an absolutely beautiful film, and I urge everybody to see it. Um, it's a coming of age film about a young man, young boy called uh, James, I believe, and ordinary working class kid in Scotland. And at the beginning of the film, he's fighting in the canal with a friend of his, yeah? How do you spell Lynn Ramsey? I'm trying to find this film. Just type in Rat 
catcher. I oh, rat reading. catcher. Okay. Yeah, rat catcher. No, I thought you said rat catcher. Uh, rat catcher. No, rat catcher. 1999. There you go. So it's a coming of age film. James and a young lad, they're about maybe 10 years old, 11 years old. And they're having a little toy fight in the canal and the other guy drowns. So completely accidental, but he drowns. And through the course of the film, your main character, James, comes to terms with mortality. Uh, He spends a lot of time on his own. He's kind of a little, not different from the other guys, but this idea that because he's seen death close hand, it's kind of touched him. Do you know, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's taken him into a slightly different rite of passage than really should happen when you're 11 or 12 years old. Uh, it's set during, it's set in Glasgow during the bin strike, which is the refuse collectors. Okay. They were on strike, so nobody came to collect the refuse. And that's why in the film, you For how see long? weeks and weeks. And that's why you see all these black bin liners uh, sort of uh, mounting and growing and hence rat catcher. Cause obviously when you've got lots of rubbish and detritus, you get rats. Yeah. Wow. Um, the period detail is amazing. The story is amazing. The acting is phenomenal. What was the, dignif- what was the period? It, like the sixties? Yes. No, the seventies. Seventies. Okay. It dignifies this ordinary working class uh, family, you know, they've the mum and dad, couple of kids. Um, and right. you just, you really get inside this guy's head. You really feel for him. And, uh, there's a lot of incredibly poignant scenes. And what it is though, is it's set down that Lynn Ramsey, who's a working class woman from Scotland, from that she is a cineast for the ages. The most recent film she did was yeah, uh, You Were Never Really Here, starring Joaquin Phoenix. And I and saw Joaquin that. Fe- that was and Joaquin horrible. Phoenix won Best Actor at the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. But look, even looking at these images, she's a cineast. You can yeah. see it. She can... She is well-versed in European cinema. She's a big fan of Robert Bresson, and it's a great film. So there we go. Ratcatcher, phenomenal film. All right. Strong, strong top entry. Uh, and you're right. And, and thank you for leaving me the, the easy American stuff. But I'm checking out Lynn Ramsey real quick. Because yeah, the names sound, definitely sound like it was familiar, like I'd seen something she'd done recently. And yeah, it was, you were never really here. That's what it was. And I, I, I did see that like this past, uh, I think like uh, two or three months ago. Yeah, very. It's a good film. Yeah, a good film. Uh, all right, so mine, my, mine's going to be obviously Train Spotting. Get that one off the table. <clears throat> I'm sure you're going to. I knew you were going to do something. I'll let you chime in in a second. I will let you know why I'm choosing it. Obviously, it's a popular pick, it's an obvious pick. Um, but. It was it was fun and, and to this day to this day maybe I don't know once every two or three weeks I mean which is odd because I'm American I've never been to Scotland none of that stuff even as much as I'm enjoying Outlander right now I will have run through my head you know ah it makes it proud to be Scottish the whole Hugh McGregor scene in the meadow whatever where he's where he complains about the English he's like colonized ah, by wankers yes, yes by I wankers. love that he's like I don't I don't hate the English they're just wankers but what does that mean we're colonized by wankers 
the scum of the earth, the low of the low. Ah, you know, it, it just goes on. It's just such a, a self-loathing diatribe that really stuck with me. It get, I mean, it, it's funny. It's also get a little bit painful, whatever. It's, it's interesting. And of course, and I just loved it completely. And this is where you get to go in on why you hate train spotting or why it's not. I don't hate it. No, I don't hate it. Uh, uh, you know, I'm sorry. F- far be it for me to prejudice your, your thoughts or to assume what you're thinking. What are your thoughts? Okay, well, look, one thing is, right, I will always say read the book, right? Everybody, okay. if you like train spotting the film, read the book. Okay. And I'm, I'm 100%. You oh. don't need to be able to compare the two. They can exist separately. You can love the movie and never read the book. But in this case, if you read the book, you get a much better idea of, A, why the film is called Trainspotting, because that's, <laughs> okay. not, that's not in the film. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa. Was that Kevin McKidd? Wow. Okay, so many. Wow, this is going back. Kevin yeah. McKidd, a.k.a. Um, uh, uh, dude on Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. So, yeah, it's worth reading the book. It's uh, The book's very... Uh, it's got more emotional depth. I do understand that the film did what it had to do, and that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I've got no problem. I've got no problem. But, you know, the thing is, the cultural impact on Scotland and people's perception of Scotland. So the Edinburgh Festival Mm -hmm. is the largest festival of arts in the world. It takes place in Edinburgh. You will be hard pushed to find a Scottish accent during the month of uh, the festival. It's been cancelled this year. I'm not mad. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so anyway, right? There will always be a production of train spotting on at the festival, and it will always be, almost always anyway, be directed by a middle class English person. That's my view, okay? Uh now I I've had a play on at the festival before and I got endlessly compared to uh Urban Welsh, unfavorably, because obviously people have an expectation of what you are and are not allowed to write about. And of course, you know, I call it the jaggy, jaggy, smack heed play. <laughs> or the jaggy, jaggy, smack heed, you know, because, and it's, it it's kind of like, if you, you know, like if you come up with something that has characters that may or may not be like, you know, taking drugs or just of a certain world, you're always going to get compared to fucking Trainspotting. And it's reductive and it's boring and it annoys me. But the film itself got no problem with it, got no problem with the book at all. It's just a shame that it's cast a bit of a shadow over a certain possibility of, of, of kind of writing. And we, we only seem to be able to look at this world from a certain uh, train spot and aesthetic. So are you saying, Marty, that it doesn't make you proud to be Scottish? Uh, I'm agnostic. <laughs> I'm agnostic. <laughs> All right, you know what? All right, so let's move on. What's your second yeah. go, Marty? What you got? My second one, I am going to go for a film called Orphans. And it's directed by Peter Mullen. So 87 19, or 98? 98. Okay. So if I'm not mistaken, this was Peter Mullen's first film. It's actually got a train spotting connection because he played uh, Peter Mullen is the mother superior in train spotting. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the guy that you go to to get the drugs. He's the mother superior. So... Peter Mullen is also... No, 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 no. It's not. 
The mother superior is actually played by Irving Welsh. Oh, well, forget that. Anyway, Peter Mullen is a very good actor. He's been in loads of stuff. He, he also directs films. And this is his first film. And it's just a really good family drama centering on the, the orphaned sons. So I think the father has died. Okay. And it's that sort of home truths coming to roost. You know what I mean? That's a long, dark night of the soul. Sure. Um, <laughs> And in that movie, Peter Mullen shows some really nice directoral flair. There's some surrealism, if you know what I mean. The film isn't... You know, when you watch working-class stuff, it's almost like got to be kitchen sink. It's kind of like, oh, they're poor, they can talk about this, and it's got to look like that, and the acting has to be naturalistic. Boring, boring, boring. <laughs> and it's almost like the scope of the infinite possibility of aesthetics is reduced, much like... Uh, you know, when we're talking about Bamboozled, hey, you want to write a story? This is what you're allowed to write about, and it's reductive, yeah? But you don't really do that for the white middle classes. They can write about anything they want, you know? <laughs> uh, orphans orphans kind of reminds me of that freedom when you watch it, because it's not hampered to the socioeconomic conditions of its characters. It's a fine film. All right. Uh, I will add that to the list. Uh, my second film is... Mary Queen of Scots and I enjoyed this film I remember seeing it in the theater and I think I dragged my mom to see it I must have been home for Christmas or something uh, uh, I can never say her name right there we go Sir Sharonin Irish woman playing a Scot this, I, I mean there you I mean a fine tradition in this podcast apparently <laughs> we love our Irish actors playing Scots but anyway but she does a great job uh, Margot Robbie, Australian, playing English, and basically their rivalry for being the true Queen of England. Uh, you know, play fast and loose with history, fine, fine by me. The, the the casting of this film too, they made they made a point to make a very diverse cast that obviously couldn't have been the uh, historically accurate. And you know, it's just like when you go see a play or when you go see Hamilton, which actually this weekend it will be available in America on Disney Plus. Uh, uh, for the first time, I'm very much looking forward to seeing that. I mean, they don't, the historical accuracy isn't the point with this. It's all about the relationship between these two women who otherwise should be friends, you know, but basically are vying for the soul of a nation. You know, uh, I, I, I get a little uh, fuzzy on the history. I, actually, when I watched it, I was actually more firm on the history. I think she got, Saoirse got a uh, Oscar nomination for it. Uh, it. I mean, it was really good. The way they made Margot Robbie look too, because I guess, the, her her Mary was was or yeah I think it was I think they were both Marys right I think her Mary was less conventionally attractive per se so they really made and she was suffering from some sort of ailments they really made her look you know un Margot Robbie like let's put it that way and it was I thought it was really well done uh, Gemma Chan was in here too as a as a, a courtier um, some other recognizable fa- Joe Alwyn AKA uh, Mr. Taylor Swift, uh, he was you know, in here as well. Um, I mean, it's, you know, strong performances. And I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the movie, and you know, I, I hate seeing you know uh, Scottish independence, whatever, being tossed around as a political football. But history is history, right? Well, uh, I've got no. I mean, look, the actors are fantastic. I haven't seen the film, but I'm a very big fan of the actors. So I got you know, but you know, come on, eh? we never get a Scottish actor in the main role. Come on, anyway, let's put that to bed. <laughs> well, let's just you know, but that's the that's the the, the minor complaint over 
because obviously uh, if it was ever pitched and they said, oh, we're going to use an all Scottish cast, they'd be like, well, the film ain't getting made. And that's life. That's right. life. Did you, have uh, you seen it? So, have you seen Mary Queen of Scots? The Scots? No, I haven't seen it. But I just want to say to anyone listening, the Scots are not good enough or powerful enough or strong enough to uh, cast a film with Scottish people and then punt it to the world and you guys give a fuck unless, excuse the language, uh, there has to be some lots and lots of non-Scots in it, yeah? Whether it be a racist anti-Semite or uh, a lovely, lovely, lovely Irish lady. Um, but nonetheless... Uh, sometimes no, 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 it would be uh, nice. Okay, be, you know, be free. We are we are free, explicit podcast here, so feel free to be free. Oh, okay. And, uh, and yeah, so go ahead. You're, you're third. Uh, anyway, I um, just want to say a little bit of uh, trivia. I grew up in a town called Burnt Island in okay. Fife. It's okay. not an island and it's not burnt, but it is spelled Burnt Island. Okay. And Burnt Island has a castle, and that castle is called Rossend Castle, and Mary Queen of Scots stayed there. So there you go. It's got what? State? Mary Queen of Scots. Hey, look. Hello, Burnt Island. There it is. Mary Queen of Scots. Type in Ross End Castle. I like like a good castle. We don't have enough of those out here. There it is. That's in Burnt Island. Mary Queen of Scots stayed in that castle. Ah, okay. A little bit of history on the Cinema Draft podcast. We're we're, we're going going deep this week, y'all. Yep. And that's in Fife. That's in Fife in Scotland. Awesome. All right. Also mentioned in Macbeth. Ah, okay. All right, so what's your next film, Scott? Uh, Scott. Uh, right, my next Marty. film is <laughs> going to be The Sinking. I'm going to, because I need to get five. This is a doubler, and it's going to be The Sinking Feeling, Stroke, Comfort, and Joy. So if you type in The Sinking Feeling. Okay. Oh, that Sinking Feeling, yeah. All right. And this is, you can actually watch this on YouTube, I think, last time I checked, yeah. So Bill Forsyth is going to be, all the films that are going to follow from me are Bill Forsyth films. Bill Forsyth is the citizen, is the uh, Orson Welles of Scottish cinema. He is the Francis Ford Coppola of uh, Scottish cinema. He is all of the the Jean Lugard, I mean, because he's, that's it, right? Him and Lynn Ramsey. I mean, there are other Scottish filmmakers, but... Bill Forsyth is the man, okay? Okay. And what makes he, him so good? What makes any great filmmaker or any great artist so good? They can hold a mirror up to reality. And even if it's a mirror that's tainted or the mirror is, uh, you know, like a hall, you know, like a sort of magic mirror or whatever, we still, see, yeah. we still see truth and reality reflected all the human emotions so the sinking feeling is set during the start of the thatcher years 1978 uh, it was made in 1979 and it's some young people in glasgow and they have no money no job no prospects and they decide why don't we do a robbery and so they decide to do a robbery of this uh, sort of like warehouse that has lots and lots of like sinks and other sundry uh, materials. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Hence the sinking feeling. They are stealing sinks. <laughs> like like all master criminals would. All right. And, so and it's so- a caper movie. So caper. now, why do I love him? It's a genre film. 
made on a minuscule budget. And I'm talking minuscule. These actors were all from local youth theatre, okay? Some of them are professional. He is not a trained... When he did this, he was not a trained actor. He is not a professional actor, that gentleman, right? So he's made it on a minuscule budget, but it's a genre film. It's a caper. It's a heist caper. So it's got all the conventions of the heist caper. And that's what I love about Bill Forsyth, is he said, guess what? We're Scottish. We're ordinary. We're working class. We don't have any money no one gives a shit about us but i'm gonna make genre films that if you've just got a good enough heart and a smart enough head you will love my films you'll come and see these movies it doesn't matter where you're from you're gonna love it the sinking feeling is a great 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 film made with no money about ordinary people having a shit time trying to do something about it anyone can relate to it i love it so what was a slash film? You said you had a second one? And the slash film is Comfort and Joy. Just click on Bill Forsyth. Click on Bill Forsyth. You should just Comfort and Joy. So 1984, Comfort and Joy is, it's kind of like a comedy. It's got a bit of romance in there. But it's also got some intrigue because uh, Bill Patterson, the great actor Bill Patterson, plays a local DJ who gets involved in the ice cream wars. Now, the ice cream wars was a real thing. It really happened. Organized Any Jerry criminals... No? No, no. Organized, <laughs> organized criminals were selling drugs from ice cream vans. Okay. Now, that's real shit. However, in this movie, <laughs> we, 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 you know... We spend a lot of time with the ice cream. There's a bit of ice cream in it, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's a rom-com. It's, uh, he gets caught up in the gangster stuff. I mean, it's really there's some ice creams. Yeah, so it's, it, it's a brave film. It's a brave film because there's some historical, low, some recent historical context. The ice cream wars were a thing. Um, but you've also got uh, an existential crisis movie. This is a man who relatively speaking, is a celebrity in a town that doesn't have many celebrities. He has, a, I think his, his wife is maybe a little bit younger than him. She may actually be his girlfriend as well since I've seen the film. Um, but it's got all that, it's got everything that you want from a sort of, um, not you know when like a film, what do you call it when a film's two genres? You know what I mean? Uh, you know what I mean? It's like a bit of a hybrid. Claire Grogan. Is that Claire Grogan? Who's like Claire Grogan? Yeah, anyway, Claire it's, it's a great film. Everything, it's funny, it's sad, it's got some tension, it's got some intrigue, it's got some really good cinematography. You get to see Glasgow. You get what I mean? No, I hear you. So yeah, and the acting's fantastic. All right, well, so for my third film, I'm going to go with Brave. Crowd pleaser. Yeah, Animated. No. Disney, a.k.a. Pixar. No. Haven't seen it. Yeah, No, yeah. You notice that I haven't seen any of your picks. Which actually is, is beautiful because that's what makes this podcast today special. You know, the you know, bridging the cultural divide. Crossing the pond yeah. culturally, as it were. And brave, you know, I, I'm, you know, if you were, a, a, if you had a child of a certain age or you grew up at a certain time, you probably seen brave, you know. As it says, how much did it do at the box office? It, it, uh, it I mean, it. it crushed. It was Pixar. I mean, it, it, this was during the stretch where Pixar had never made like a movie that that didn't like crush. This is back in June of 2012. Kelly McDonald voiced the the lead. You know, oh uh, Billy Conley. We've got Billy Conley as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a strong voice cast. Emma Thompson, all sort of stuff. 
Uh, she Prince always gets to do a Scottish accent. Seriously, there was a film that came out a few years ago, and she got to play one of the main parts, and it was Scottish. It's kind of like she's the industry English go-to Scottish accent. I mean, is her Scottish accent good? It's all right, but uh, you know, because <laughs> you know, over here, people. She's I mean, not short of options. <laughs> <laughs> well, over here, we consider Emma Thompson a treasure, whether she's doing Scottish you know, accent or not. And, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a crowd pleaser. Family well, look, here's the thing. Can I, can I, look, look, if you find out, does Emma Thompson, will she vote for Scottish independence? Because I think she lives in Scotland. Oh, okay. If she is pro-Scottish independence, good. If not, cancel. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> oh, yeah, Kelly MacDonald, we love Kelly MacDonald. But but she's Irish though, right? Scottish. Oh, oh my, oh my bad. Because she has a really. She's in train spotting. Well, I, I I saw that, but I didn't know if she was doing it. Okay, all right, my bad. So all, so all the actors in train spotting are legit Scottish, right? No. Okay. Johnny Lee Miller, who plays yeah, he's, Sick he's, Boy, yeah. he's English. Right. So that's why I mean. So you know. So here's here's my American ignorance. Oftentimes, well, maybe just my American ears, sometimes I will confuse the Irish accent with the Scottish accent. I know oh they probably God. sound worlds apart. Oh, no, no. We've got to work on that. We've got to work on that. We've got to work. Please, please. Because you know I love to be a good accent. Uh, normal people they're, will explode. They're not here. even close. Look, do you know, that's like saying I confuse an American accent with a Mexican accent. I just know. I know. It's, it's, it's pushing your ears. I'm just telling you. I'm just giving you my reel. That's all. I'm giving you my reel. Anyways, Kelly McDonald's in it. She's she's the lead in this. It's it's a fun fi- family Pixar film. That's my third film. What's your next one? And that's Edinburgh. We love Edinburgh. Yeah, strong act. She was also in a recent movie. Oh no, a series. Jiri Haj. Jiri Haji. I think that's what it is. Uh, and uh, which is like it's a it's another one of those uh, Netflix films, international production, set in London. She's a Scottish, uh, uh, is it a DS maybe? And uh, what's his face? Um, Ke- uh, Ke- not is it Ken Watanabe? Uh, is uh, comes over, has issues with his daughter and stuff from Japan. A, a, a Japan, British, Scottish mix of cultures. That was very intriguing, very confusing. I watched it. I enjoyed it. So yeah, Kelly McDonald still getting work. Still looks great. Looks we love great. Kelly. We love Kelly. She's a bonnie lass. All right. She's a bonnie lass. She's a bonnie man. All right. Anyways, go ahead. Even though she does a bank advert, but let's not. Let's pass on that. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but okay. We'll <laughs> <laughs> she advertises a bank. Oh, oh, does she? Well, you know, gotta pay them bills, man. I know you gotta get paid. We I mean, what be- would you do if, if the Chevy Chase Bank... Chevy Chase Bank's a real thing in America, isn't it? Uh, I think so. It's not very big, though, over here, I don't think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, Kel-, Kel McDonald's still getting work. Good for her. All right, what's your next film? Right, so we are now number two, and we have to go for Local Hero. Oh, Local oh, Hero. Local Hero, okay, got it. Which is, again, it's a Bill Forsyth film... Made in 1983. Now, the interesting thing with this was he got some American money. Oh. Now, so as you can see, uh, Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster, an American actor. Okay, gotcha. Let's not muck around here. He got Burt Lancaster. Now, the film that is going to be my number one was the film that he made before Local Hero. All right. And it was uh, a real good calling card. It wasn't his first film, but it was a really good calling card. And on the strength of the, that film, which is called Gregory's Girl, may as well say, he got to make um, 
local hero, bigger budget, bigger scope. And it's about uh, a man who works for, I believe, an oil company, and they want to do some stuff in Scotland, yeah? I believe they want to buy some land. It's a while since I've seen it. I, yeah, to buy up an entire village for the oil company. It just so happens that the guy that owns an important stretch of land is just an ordinary guy that lives in a bit of a shed on the beach. And they send over an American to get to know the people of the village and to, I guess, charm them into, con them into selling up for the oil company but this man that comes over he kind of falls in love with the scottish people you would love this film by the way okay you would love that you want to see a proper proper scottish film this is the one okay a local hero yeah local hero put it this way right if local heroes are 10 and it is train spotting's a four oh so if okay. you think Transporting's a good film, Local Hero wipes the floor with it. So that's what makes you proud to be Scottish. All right. Um, makes, yeah, yeah, I'm not proud to be Scottish, but I know what you're saying. <laughs> okay. Well, it's hard to be Scottish when you're ruled over by people that think you're shite. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel you. The English, Boris Johnson and his merry men, they don't like us, mate. And you know, you know, they don't like us. Well, we anyway, don't like, most of us, we don't like Boris either. So we're you know, no, we don't. We're so it's a beautiful film. You can see what he can do with a budget. You know what I mean? You can even tell by the shots that there's more budget here. Yeah, we're looking at some sort of screenshots of the film, and there's just more scope. The, right. You know, he's got more money to put the camera in different positions you know what i mean sure. uh it's a fantastic film the soundtrack is absolutely phenomenal by the lead singer of um dire straits whose name escapes me but you can google him he, um and it's very good so that's my number two all right what's like the cinematography it's good isn't it no no it looks good i mean and that's <laughs> it's funny because uh uh the, the draft mom uh, came by once and saw me watching uh, Outlander and and they're doing like some of the sweeping shots of the Scottish countryside and she was like oh that looks nice I'm like yeah it's beautiful gorgeous country over there it's on the yeah, list man. I mean, yeah. I mean Scotland's, Scotland's, on, Scotland's on the list for you for for you obviously but I mean bonus the countryside I mean shout out to your mom yeah draft mom yeah all right I'll, I'll tell you said hi she should listen to this because she definitely needs the draft stream tips in the next segment. But uh, I guess my next film, I mean, you know, going super obvious once again here. I mean, Braveheart, we already kind of covered it. It's fine. I know you didn't like it. It's still a thing over it's here. It's not that I don't like it. It's, you know what I'm talking about. You don't want to support Mel. I get it. So Braveheart, that's my it's, number it, and, and all the other things, but we've right. talked about that. So, so, so go on to your, to your final film. What's your, what's your final film? No, no, talk about Braveheart. You tell me about Braveheart. No, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I haven't watched it in a while, but I remember when I did watch it, I mean, you know, I, I thought I learned a little bit about Scottish history and, and English history. Uh, I lo- I'm a sucker for historical fiction. I honestly haven't watched it probably in like... Okay, years. I'm going to ask you a question, right? I'm going to ask you a question, right? Okay. What is, then, when you watch a film like Braveheart and you add it to Frozen and, you know, the the... The, the subset of Scottish films that you've seen and you, you have your idea and your Is Frozen Scottish? What? Is Frozen Scottish? I thought it was more like Scandinavian, no? It's Scottish, mate. They're all Scottish. Frozen? 
No, froze or no, brave. Sorry, brave. Oh, okay. All right. I was brave. Like, sorry, bro. mate. Brave. I knew right, it was brave. a one syllable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. dude. Sorry. No, my apologies. No, no problem. Like, what is your impression of Scottish history then? What is your impression of Scottish history? Like, what do you think you've sort of, you know, in broad strokes learned? Well, no, well, no, well. Now that I'm watching Outlander, I mean, it's totally different. I, you know, I know about the rebellion and the, and how they kill off the clans and all sorts of stuff. You know, I'm I'm definitely you know more versed in it, but it's it's basically just uh, a history of of continually fighting for independence and, and wanting to, to be their own country and being under the 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 heel of an, of a colonial force. You know, and and of that, I can definitely recognize like similar struggles with African countries. Actually, I'm also watching Beecham House. Um, I think we've only had like the first two or three episodes released over here so far. That's kind of interesting. But of course, you know, you always have to consider the source. And, you know, if it's a BBC production, whatever, you, you know, you kind of have to consider the source to an extent. But, you know, but anything that colonial, whatever, obviously, at least I'm personally going to be somewhat against, you know, African-American, et cetera, et cetera. But also it's funny because in this country, it's still relatively a young country or whatever, but still our, our history attention spans are, you know, like gnats. So we don't even realize half the time that we're, you know, descended from, uh, you know, bucking a colonial power. So it's always kind of interesting seeing how Americans will side with imperialist power and how we've tried to be imperialist power when originally we were colonies. We were fighting the colonial rule. So I'm actually kind of with you on, on all that. And what I do learn from watching, you know, uh, Scotland-themed movies or entertainment is that they just want to be free. I get it. And and this is like an arranged marriage that really, it wasn't even arranged. It was just it was a for, it was it was a forced upon marriage, you know, you know that goes back a, a, a few centuries. And I'd be upset too if, if I were them. And just to bring something more tangible in today, we talked uh, off air about how uh, calls for Puerto Rican statehood were kind of rose up on Twitter the other day, and how. I thought I'm, I'm supporting, uh, I was supportive of it, you know, topically. And then I dug into some of the tweets of Puerto Ricans who live in Puerto Rico. They don't want to be a state. They want their independence back. They were, they're basically a colony and they're tired of our shit as Americans. And every time it gets voted on by Puerto Ricans that they vote to remain, you know, not for statehood because they don't want to be more part of the belly of the beast. They want to be their own separate thing. And with that, how can anyone be against that? You know? So, yeah. And yet, and yet, so many people will be against it just because. Uh, but no, me and you, we root for the Puerto Ricans. Uh, and just like still, I don't, I don't know, I don't know anything other than you just said that the Puerto Ricans want to be independent. I'm like, yes, good on them. Let's have it. Because right. didn't Puerto Rico? Wasn't there a large part of Puerto Rico that didn't have any electricity for a while? Yeah, no, and the Puerto Ricans are, are constantly set upon, yeah, when the when the hurricane hit, they were without electricity for like months at a time. The the, the aid package that, went, that was supposed to be go down there didn't reach everyone it needed to. I mean, they were, even before then, they were always bombing this tiny little island off of Puerto Rico called Vakes, Vieques. It was like a military testing ground. There was, it was just like they'd shelled the island. It was doing environmental damage to that area. It was just, it's been treated like shit forever. Although... Although on the converse, there's, all, there's these weird incentives, at least pre-coronavirus, to like come to Puerto Rico and you can set up shop tax-free as a business. So like that. it's a really weird, strange history between Puerto Rico and the United States, which is probably better suited for another podcast. So steering us back into this one out of, out of the historical cold, cul-de-sac, probably our first historical cul-de-sac 
on the Cinema Draft podcast. Nothing wrong what with is, that. Nothing no, wrong no, with no, that. No, no, know your history and know your culture, damn it. Uh, what is your final film of the top five Scottish films, Mark? So, this film is Gregory's Girl. Okay. Once again, our boy. Uh, Bill Forsyth. Bill, Bill Forsyth. Forsyth. Yep. This film is the greatest Scottish film ever made. Oh. It's not up for discussion. Don't at there him. Can be, there can be no substitute, right? Don't at him, yes. It's a rom-com. It's a rom-com set around, and it's also coming of age, and it's a teen movie. So it ticks all these multi-genre boxes, and it does it with aplomb. It pulls off the com, it pulls off the rom, it pulls off the football, it pulls off the coming of age. It is a perfect film, a perfect film. There so is, is nothing this is the Scottish. Call. This is the Scottish Ferris Bueller's or the Scottish. No, uh, I would, yeah, candles. okay, we can do that. Yeah, you could maybe, you could maybe say it, but but it's a rom com. It's a good natured rom com. A friend oh, wow. of mine from America, from Baltimore, I I got him to watch it for the first time, and at the end of it, he said, "You know something, Martin? It's one of those films that no matter how bad you're feeling." You will always feel better after watching this film. Well, there you go. You will always feel better. It's set in a new town. So what happened after the war is they decided to build new towns from the ground up. Like like just these towns with no identity. They just built some houses, okay? Yeah. And Cumbernauld is one of them. And Cumbernauld is about 10 miles outside Glasgow on the west coast of Scotland. And this is where Gregory's Girl is set. Why he set that there, I don't know. But it's a perfect choice. And it's, it's about this guy called Gregory who is in the football team and he loses his place to a girl called Dorothy. Okay. And Dorothy is a woman, a young woman. And she is the best player in the football team. And he is besotted. He is head over heels in love. He and you get to see him. I mean, look at her. He Hepburn. She's fine. Yeah, he tries to chat her up. He's got no shot. He is useless, right? But here's the thing. Guess what? He's just in love with the idea of her, right? So, like, you know how we talk about. What are you allowed to do if you're if it's black cinema or 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 if it's Asian cinema or like you know if let's just say it's Latino cinema in the United States or if it's the Asian population or the Indian population in in Scotland you know what film are you allowed to make do you you know can you have complete artistic freedom and complete creative freedom this is a film that is just free. It's just free to explore its ideas. Yes, everybody lives in ordinary houses and lives ordinary lives. There's no, oh, it's crap being poor and it's crap being Scottish and it's crap this, crap that. It's just a genre film, you know what I mean? A genre film. And so when you watch it, it takes you to all the places that all the great films take you, be it, you know, a great American romantic comedy where everybody's white and has loads of money and nobody has to bother about anything. It's Cary Grant or, you know, Paul Newman 
or Robert Redford, or just to, it takes you to all these places. It's full of joy, but at the same time, it's got these moments of sadness and surrealism. It's got these moments of poignancy. It's got these little tiny moments that are little vignettes. I'll give you an example. All the way through the film, there is a pupil dressed in a penguin suit. And the penguin, a penguin yes, suit. and the penguin is always wandering the corridor looking for something and is always told, no, you're in the wrong place. And it's just this little weird thing, this penguin, you know, it just, there are these surreal touches, like, you know how there's a headmaster? In all these films, you have the headmaster, and in Gregory's Girl, Chick Murray, the great Scottish comedian, Chick Murray plays the headmaster, okay? And there's just this beautiful scene where he's in a classroom, sitting in front of a piano, and somebody kind of asks him, you know, he has to do some headmasterly business, and then when he's left on his own, he just starts playing the piano, uh-huh. And he's in his own little world. He's just hes just a man in his 60s playing the piano and you get to see who he really is. And it's just, it's one of those films where even more than, even more than um, local hero, you really fall in love with whatever it is to be Scottish. It's a beautiful film. It's surreal. It's magical. It's cinema. It was made on the tiniest of budgets. I think it cost about £300,000 at the time to make. Not a lot of money. And yet, you watch that film. And look, I first watched it on Christmas Day when I was about 12 years old. And I went through to the TV. They put it on on Christmas Day which is a big deal. You know, the Christmas movie. We sure. stuck it on at about eight o'clock at night on Christmas day. And I tell you what, we all huddled around the television to watch it because we didn't have a big TV. And at the end of the film, all I wanted was the film to go on forever. I wanted to oh. live in, I wanted to live in the world. That world I wanted to live in. There's the, 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 the lighting, the natural light of sort of, summertime stroke autumnal Scotland where it's about nine o'clock at night and you're in a park and the sun is very slowly going down and you're just lying there on the grass with a girl or if you're a girl you're with a guy or who knows girls girls guys guys everybody's you know we're all equal um and you're just shooting the breeze talking shit you know what I mean yeah talking crap with the object of your desires and affections and it's just, it is, it's a magical film. Sounds like a wonderful experience. And my final film is totally opposite of that. Uh, <laughs> I, actually, this one's on my list. I've been mean to see it. So this won't actually count. But I, I, I mean, you know, English degree, drama degree. I have the complete works of Shakespeare, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Macbeth. I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it. I'm sure it's great. It's Michael Fassbender. One of your old, you know, uh, uh, schoolmates at the London, whatever, school of drama. The Drama Centre. The Drama Drama Centre in London. Drama Centre in London. There you go. Uh, So I haven't seen it. or No, no, I haven't seen it. I want to see it, though, because Macbeth. So I can't quite say that's my last movie. But I did see this one movie, almost slipped my mind, called Filth. And it's James McAvoy. Uh, And... Look, ever since I was exposed to him in, what was it, Wanted? And I'm trying to, was that 2008 or, no, probably earlier, probably 2004, with Angelina Jolie, Wanted, that, you know, where you can curve bullets and and that crazy-ass movie. That was great. That was my first exposure to James McAvoy. 
And ever since then, I've been a fan of his work. He's a super talented actor. I, I enjoy him quite a bit. And I saw him in this movie. I think I watched it on Netflix one time. And it's not a great movie. It's a really weird movie. It's very dark and twisted. And this guy, I mean, I get it. He's not supposed to be redeemable or likable, whatever. And it's just, it's really scuzzy. But it technically qualifies as a Scotch movie. So I threw it in no, here. No, no, no. I mean, it's Irvin Welsh. It's Irvin Welsh, isn't it? It's from an Irvin yeah. Welsh book. Yeah. So, so I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it was, it was a ride. It was interesting. Um, apparently, very critically lauded. Didn't get any traction in the States. I mean, like I said, I found it on Netflix or something. But um, yeah, it, it's, it gives you, you know, two hours of, of, of James McAvoy. So I'm with it. Oh, Martin Comston, our boy from Line of Duty. Yeah. All right. So yeah, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Broadbent, you know, well cast. It's never really cut on over here. Oh, is this um, uh, Eddie Marson? Yeah. Really, really interesting uh, uh, British cast. Have you seen Filth? No, I mean, I'm not, it's a shame because I kind of, I'm not saying I avoid Irvin Welsh material, but I guess I do subconsciously because <laughs> I don't watch any of his stuff, you know, because a lot of his stuff gets made into, you know, Irvin Welsh is uh, a very highly regarded, I mean, he's the most famous Scottish fiction writer of the last 20 or 30 years. He wrote Trainspot and, and he wrote Filth. I wrote the Acid House as well, a bunch of other stuff, and you know. Well, what do you think of James McAvoy as an actor? He's a good actor, very good actor. Okay, all right. Uh, he was good in the Last King of Scotland. He was in the original series of oh, it's Shameless. So Shameless was originally. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And he was in the original cast of that. He's really? a very well-regarded actor. I got no problem with him at all. Eddie Marsden, of course, one of the great character actors of our time. We oh, love him. Excellent. And he, I mean, he's, he does it. Inc- I mean, he's, once again, another one of these, you know, Brits who do an American accent just like flawlessly. It's fine. He can even do our, like, some of our regional dialects pretty well, too. So He crops up everywhere. He's a good actor. We love him. He really does. I just want to say, here's a little um, Scottish film that people will maybe Real know quick, about. Real quick, bonus material. This is about to be a Bonus material. Pod. So bonus material is Under the Skin, starring... Um, so that qualifies... Yo, so I... St- it's so set I started- in Scotland. It's set in Scotland, and quite a lot of the actors in it are Scottish, so... I started it. I didn't quite... I, it was it was a Stairmaster movie for me. Scarlett I started Johansson. it, then the pandemic hit, and I had to cancel my gym membership. I haven't gone back to it. I feel bad. I don't, I'm not even sure if it's on Netflix anymore, but I'll, I'll find that out. Everyone loves this movie. It's a good film. It is a good film. It's an interesting film, man. I mean, he's a... He is a proper cineast, you know what I mean? He's a, a an art, he's an artist, uh, Glazer. He is an artist. Um, I've got no yeah, problem with that it's, at all. And Scarlet, we love Scarlet around here. Kinda. And if we're going to go last of all, this is just random stuff, egregious Scottish stuff. The 39 Steps by Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, the protagonist has to flee to Scotland and we actually get some uh, some stuff of Scotland played by Scottish a couple of Scottish actors because he, he he takes off into the highlands of Scotland and well you get to hear some very early Scottish cinema accents where they talk a little bit like this and everything's a wee bit you know and we're all a wee bit silly and guess my my best friends are all sheep you know Stop it. Well, if, 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 we're go, if we're going obscure, then I'm going to throw in Skyfall real quick, just for that whole last act in the Scottish Highlands and the castle and stuff. I don't know. There you go. 
I'll tell There you go. All right. So we are going to take a break. For those of you listening at home, we will bring up the speed on how the new game, Draft Stream, and its alpha test is played. And we'll be right back after these brief messages. Movie theaters are on a hiatus, but we here at Cinema Draft are not. Draft Stream is the streaming content version of the Cinema Draft game you know and love. Just like with Cinema Draft, you have a $100,000 salary cap for a 10-actor call sheet, no more, no less. But in this one, you have to have at least one of three actor types for your 10-actor call sheet. One headliner, a co-star, and a day player. Scoring is based on weighted averages of Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic scores, plus audience and user scores. Headliners get a 40% bonus, while co-stars receive a 20% bonus over day player points. The game runs from Thursday evening to Monday afternoon, with daily updates on Saturday and Sunday before final scoring after Monday, 12 p.m. Pacific time. Currently, we are alpha testing DraftStream in a rudimentary spreadsheet-based format while we work on adapting it for digital play. Tweaks happen almost weekly due to player feedback. We really need the data, so please help us out and play the game. Often, there is a $50 prize pool with $35 going to first and $15 going to second for the top two non-Cinema Draft employee players. A link to the most current talent pool is included in the podcast description. Please review the Rules tab and submit your call sheet by Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. Thanks for your help, and good luck. All right, so we are now doing, we are still continuing with our quarantine movie of the week. Last week, and thank you, Marty, for resurfacing it for us this week, was Bamboozled. This, uh, and... Is that right? Uh, um, yeah, that's right. It was bamboozled. This week, we are going to go with Hustlers, that great, athletic, wildly charismatic, and actually, let me share my screen. I thought I was sharing it. Let me share it real quick. Wildly charismatic Jennifer Lopez movie. I mean, it, it was, it took my breath away. Now, obviously, it's about uh, a, a group of uh, exotic dancers, both pre and this post uh, recession in New York City and how they built a bunch of bankers almost as like revenge for the recession that happened, uh, just like hustling them out of their money. And, you know, great cameos, Cardi B, Lizzo's up in here. Uh, you know, every type and body, shape, size woman you could want is, is out here on this. Jennifer Lopez, 50, looks better than ever. Just, I mean, truly, I mean, and from what I was told, you know, half-assed internet research, as it were. She would carry her pole around her for about a year. Anywhere she was, she was traveling, where she had to, you know, she'd bring her own pole to practice in her hotel room until she looked like the veteran uh, dancer that she was in this film. Such a great ride. I enjoyed it. I mean, obviously, yes, beautiful women you look at, blah, 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 but it's a really good story. And there was some, there was some not undeserved Oscar talk for J-Lo. I honestly thought she should have been nominated, to be honest with you. It's, a, it's a, I mean, it's an athletic, transformative experience. It, she plays his mother, Hen, who also is, is might be running a scam on them or not. It's, it's a really great performance. I loved Hustlers. Marty, did you have a chance to partake in Hustlers? 
Hustlers was the next film I was going to go and see. Uh, you know, it's the next one that I'm going to watch. So I'll watch oh, it. I'm actually, I will watch it this week because I did hear about the Oscar buzz for J-Lo. And the fact is, back in the day when I used to watch American Idol, I actually thought she was a very good judge. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I thought I, she was I, a very good judge. I've got no problem with Jenny at all. Jennifer's um, hard, man. Yeah, she's she works hard, man. Jen, you can tell that Jennifer Lopez works really, really, really hard to do what she does, to stay where she does. And I think to myself that if I was one of the guys who was lucky enough to have married her, I'd have probably hung on, like. <laughs> You know, right? You know, like, what you're mean? like, Ben Affleck, what were you thinking? No, I'm just kidding. But Not no, Ben. Yeah. We don't act Ben, bench men. Um, but do you know what I'm talking about? Like, right. she's, I mean, obviously, she is a formidable woman. A formidable woman. She is, she you know, she's, she's like, is she a five-tool threat? I believe she is. She is. She can sing. She can <laughs> dance. She can act. She can judge. She's a mother. Has she got kids? Yeah, she got kids. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she's she's incredible. This movie, I highly endorse it and suggest people to watch it. And yeah, when you're done, Marty, go for it. Tweet us your tweet length review at Play Cinema Draft. That goes. For and she knows Fat Joe. <laughs> is that the one who died? Fat Joe's one. Who no, died? no, hey, Fat Joe's still holding it down in New York. Oh, Come on, I, man. I bad, but big punk. Fat Joe punk. is still holding big, it down, man. Punk, right? Punk, yeah. Can we can we take a brief detour? But the detour is connected. Cardi B. Okay. So Cardi B. I love Cardi B, right? Sure, yeah. Now, Cardi B also did an interview with Bernie Sanders, right, before he dropped that. Yes, okay? she was Cardi B Bernie. actually really she is on, good yeah. at American history. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, we've got Nicki Minaj, who did a song called Trolls with Takashi 6 9 <laughs> You are showing your hip-hop bonafides right now, Marty. Go ahead. Hey, head. look! If, listen, mate. I can, I can. I've got some tunes I want you to hear at some point, mate. All right, all right. Go ahead. Um, so, the so trolls. Yes. Are we? Is it a case that you have to be Team Cardi or Team uh, Nikki? Uh, but I mean, like, maybe, what do we think about Nicki Minaj doing a song with Takashi Six Nine, who is a rat? Yeah, he, he's he's a rat. He's. I mean, I question his his lifestyle choices, definitely his tattoo choices and what have you. Yeah, I mean, no one really likes Takashi Six Nine. Nobody really likes that guy. Uh, I I I mean, I watch. I'm I'm of the world. I watch you know trends and stuff that go on 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 Twitter and stuff. I see little spats here and there between the camps. I have no stake in. I love them both. I remember. I, I mean, I'm more of a, a mixtape Nikki person than say right, yeah. you know than than uh, you know the Roman's revenge, Nikki. I guess that she is now. You know, I, I have no issue with with either. But I and I do love Cardi. How she's kind of come on the scene and stuff. She's very charismatic. You know, <laughs> she she she's she's you know an icon in the making. I think it's really dumb how these male dominated uh, these not even male dominated industries, but male dominated media and uh, and record label industries pit you know two talented women kind of against each other. Is it organic or not? It could be. I don't know. But I just think it's a false choice. I, I, I reject the question. I, I, I good, good. Okay. Yeah, that's I good to know. It's good to know. Yeah. 
Right, well, kind of like how it was Jay Z and Nas, and then right. it's like Kendrick or Cole, and then then it's just so the Jay Z and Nas felt more organic. That felt like like just two guys who were both young, who were both talented, who were just naturally going to butt heads because they were butt, trying to be number one. The, you know, like they say in Highlander, that movie which I haven't finished, which is definitely very Scott, well, kind of Scottish. I mean, there can only be one. There, there can be only one. That's kind of how they. I mean, I kind of get that from a competition standpoint. This honestly feels like. Like, like in another, I mean, in another timeline, they'd be friends, you know, like they're both, you know, like you, you can tell that Nikki was an inspiration to her, to what it sense, but she also has the lived in life experience of being an exotic dancer. She talks openly about being a stripper, you know, and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, and, and, and advocating for sex work and all sort of stuff. Although, you know, she's a bit problematic too. She talked about how she would, you know, kind of take advantage of these guys and possibly even drug them and rob them. You know, she's not perfect. There are no heroes in the story. All I'm saying is that I think it's a false choice that you pit two talented women in the same industry against each other because you can only have like one hot, you know, rapper or whatever. That's bullshit. Like, like I'd love to see her, uh, I'd love to see her, Nikki and Megan all do, and Beyonce all do an, a, a song together. That would be flames, total flames. Yeah, 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 that'd be good. Once again, different podcast. You know, maybe this should be the backdoor pilot for our own podcast, Marty. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, man, this should be. All right, so we are going to, and as you can see, my video's crapped out. There we go. Uh, He's I'm back. Gonna, yeah, I'm, I'm back. Uh, let me share my screen once more. We're going to go to the draft stream update. Now, I know you've yet to play our, our wonderful game, Marty. I'm sure once it's all coded up and pretty, hopefully you'll come entertain us, throw us a, a call sheet or two. But basically, it, the draft stream game, as we went over in the break, you're you're picking actors to – be in your perfect call sheet and uh and basically we're trying to guess how the marketplace can receive them it's an amalgamation of of critical scores and user scores across rotten tomatoes metacritic the google user score and also the imdb user score let me share my screen to show you what we're talking about last week your boy give it up for me yes i won it damn it i beat the infamous jaybird Ontario's own, the Canadian invasion, the Canadian occupation. He's gotten second place now for two weeks in a row. Suck it, Jaybird. This week I won because, or last week I won because I had a nice mix of Athlete A, the Netflix documentary on the on the United States gymnastics uh, uh, abuse uh, trauma. It was, I mean, it was, it was a good movie. I, I didn't think it was extraordinary per se, but Critics thought otherwise, and audiences also enjoyed it as well, or at least learned from it. I'm not sure if you can say I enjoyed, you know, watching this testimony of these young women who were sexually abused, but it did its thing. And also, a headliner stack of a regular woman got me those extra 40% bonus points. Very key. A regular woman I actually did not know much about. A foreign film that was already built in had some some sway, which is why it costs so much more than the other films. And then also Madagascara, last minute comeback. Going into Monday, it was Jaybird's game to lose. Guess what? He lost it. He lost it on the back of one single review. It was, you, I had to dig deep for this too. I was obsessed. I, I found out that you, if you dig a little deep into the user reviews, you can find whatever re- reviews have been left. There was one review, an eight out of 10, about this movie is documentary on the lives of Madagascarian women. And that was enough to bring home the bacon for your boy. It was very tightly fought race. There it is. 
I won by six points over Jay Bird, who has yet still cash for his eighth consecutive week. This week in our talent pool, we have, the, I guess, the headliner, of course, is going to be Hamilton. I mean, the, the filmed, not, not, not an adaptation, but the film version of the Broadway play. I've been waiting all my life for this, damn it. I've never seen Hamilton. I've yet to see even the regional performances of it. I have the soundtrack. The soundtrack's awesome. Are you familiar with Hamilton and the Hamilton soundtrack? I'm not the soundtrack, but I do know the piece. I don't think it's been over here yet, but I've seen uh, on various award shows, like, you know, when they perform bits from it? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the uh, soundtrack. You know, I've heard a lot of good things. I've heard a lot of good things, but I heard a couple of dissenting voices. Oh, okay. Well, well, do tell because as yeah, we're ready, yeah, as we're ready yeah, to, yeah, yeah. But like, to make I, but our call sheet, those were, I you, need, you need to look. I I need to research the dissent. Okay. You know, like you know what it's like. You know when something uh, takes place, like the, a biopic, yeah? And yeah. it's a glowing biopic or whatever. And then somebody will say, well, but I guess what? You never knew that he murdered his granny, though, did you? you know? Well, that's not the way it happened or something, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you have to look into it and go, oh, I didn't realize that he actually used to torture stick insects or, you know, that there was, you know, other things that, that they kept out, you know? Of, so, so, so what was, what was I, the dissenting voice? What did they say? Just that it wasn't all. Is it about Alexander Hamilton? Yeah, about Hamilton and and the family. He wasn't all that. I just heard, I just heard that he wasn't all that, and it was it was just on Twitter, and it was just and it it was it was not from white people. You get what I mean? Oh sure, yeah, I'm sure he. Pro- I mean, well, I don't know. actually, I don't know if he owned slaves or anything, but any, anytime you get historical figures from that era, it's always dicey. It's just always dicey. Yeah, so so Hamilton's going to be big in play. I've got it as our highest uh, as our as our highest salaried. Why is something here. a big salary? Is it because it's going to be getting talked about? Well, so the way the game works is that is is that it's an, it's an amalgamation of 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 ratings basically, and game and uh, titles with with uh, higher points are are generally should cost you more. At least going the the big thing about this game, kind of like with poker, is a game of imperfect information. These shows haven't debuted yet. So you're trying to gauge how the audience is going to respond and how the critics are going to respond. And sometimes you do see pieces and bits and pieces of, of Intel that's out there, like with, uh, like with uh, this one, A Regular Woman. All the ratings were already kind of somewhat in, which is why it was priced up. So we figured that there wouldn't be much movement at, you know, through the weekend as this was reintroduced to audiences. So we figured, okay, if we put it at 20000 of a $100,000 salary budget, then, it, then you know, it's probably going to do a pretty good number. And it did. It was the second highest scoring uh, movie uh, or uh, title of the, of the weekend, right? But what, what I did not count on was Athlete A, which was a Netflix documentary, because Netflix has so many titles coming out at any one time. A lot of them get kind of lost in the shuffle. But as you can see, it did really well. 100 from Rotten Tomato critics, 98% Google score uh, approval, 86 from Metacritic, which is, even despite the default scores of 66, Metacritic tends to be a little bit harder than, than Rotten Tomatoes. And then the IMDb user score was high. And in our game, you, the, these are weighted averages. We weight 60% more 
for IMDb user score and Google user score because we want to put the power of the score in the hands of the audience more so than critics. And I used to be a movie critic, you know, but what do we know? You know, we're not the hand of God. So you're always trying to figure well, out. No, what- Roger Ebert gave Bamboozled two stars. You need to read, read his. That sucks. Tell- ma- he was married to a black woman. What the hell was he? Um, uh, you know, Roger, Roger's great. I love Roger. I grew up watching his, his uh, Siskel and Ebert, but he doesn't. But he gets good. it wrong. He gets he it wrong a lot. Wrong. He, and when exactly. he, it just, yeah, I, I didn't get it. two stars. I was like, what are you talking about? I just, that bothered me. Like, yeah, yeah, and, and, so, and so so this week, I figured Hamilton, not only is the most talked about, but I find it hard, I, I will be shocked this thing gets anything less than a 120. The highest score we've ever had in this game was The Last Dance, the the, the, docu- the 10-part documentary series, which debuted back in April uh, of uh, of the the Chicago Bulls, right? And that was our highest scoring one ever. It, it was, and it was great. It was legitimately great. It was very talked about, it was buzzy, and it was appropriately, uh did I not? Oh, there we go. It was, appro- it was appropriately um, priced up for the, for the time. It was, I think it was like our first or second weekend of even trying the alpha test. There we go. 124.15, the last dance. But so I figure Hamilton starts, it's got to start at least at a 120. This thing is universally loved. So I, I would be surprised this thing doesn't do huge numbers. This is also our high, our most expensive title starting off uh, in draft stream history you can only get a maximum of 130 base points before the before the bonus points kick in i'll be shocked this thing gets anything less than 120 uh so i so that for that reason it's going to cost you almost a third of your budget to get even one actor for, as a headliner with the 40 percent bonus points co-star you get 20 percent bonus points still pretty high and then a day player is just the straight regular points so it'll be very interesting to see how much hamilton is going to be on people's call sheets this week. It's pretty much a sure thing. Or if they'll fade it. Game theory dictates that if you can find better value for cheaper, maybe John Lewis Good Trouble, a documentary on the life and times of civil rights uh, icon and congressman John Lewis, that's also might be in play this week. And so it'll be very interesting to see what people come up with. I'm looking to defend my crown, damn it. Come at me, Jaybird. You're not the only player in this damn pool. But definitely make sure you guys check it out. For those of you who are inclined to play, your call sheets are due by 6 p.m. Pacific time. It's American, Marty, uh, on Thursday. And make sure you share your call sheets with me. And I look forward to seeing what you guys come up with. And so let's bring this in for a landing. Oh, hell no. Hell yes. Give yourselves a hand. Give yourselves a hand, Marty. You are an excellent guest. Definitely oh, class up this joint. Love having you on the podcast. Definitely have to come back and do it again. If not, definitely. Our own, if, if not our own podcast, definitely love to see you try your hand. Apologies if I offended anybody in any way. It was unintentional. If you talk a lot, you do. It's amazing when you talk, you can trip yourself up and no, say apple you, instead of oranges or left instead of right. It's dead easy to do. So the no, intention. No, you were- you were great. We loved you. I loved having you on. Definitely have to have you back on here again. Definitely wave, <laughs> waving the flags up. You're awesome. This is the <laughs> well, time yeah, where I, you know, there you go. This is the time where uh, I ask my, this is the time where I ask my guests to plug anything they have to plug. So go ahead, Marty. If you have something to plug, plug your ish. Okay, look, there is a song. There's a song that I am absolutely loving at the moment, right? All right. And it's called Anti. A-U-N-T-I-E and the artist is Quengface. 
Quen face? Quang face. K-W-E-N-G-F-A-C-E. It's not for the faint-hearted. It's a UK drill track. Okay. And I just think it's a stunning example of the genre. It's my current single of the year. It's, wow. it's Look, it's Certificate 18. It's X-rated. <laughs> All right. It's what All you right. would expect. But look, this is... A, this, look, Quang face is from Zone 2. They are a rap group stroke gang from Peckham in London, South London. Peckham is most famous for Only Fools and Horses. Some people might have watched that. It was a sitcom that the BBC ran for years and years. But it's also an area of social deprivation. And uh, Anti is an absolutely fantastic example of UK drill. And it's a thriving scene and I just love it. It's just the, the wordplay, the rhythm, the beat, everything is harsh. Look, it's hard. This is hardcore stuff, but it's a beautiful example. I'd expect nothing less from you, Marty. And on that note, we're going to play, I'm going to play us out. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you for listening, if you're listening at home. Thank you for playing the Draft Stream game and supporting us over here at the Cinema Draft Podcast. <laughs> Again, thanks to my guest, Martin J. Taylor. Marty, the original Gadgie. Who always yes. Always the best in Scottish talk. Well, well, he's got a lot in his locker. He's got a lot in his locker. And, and this is usually when I'd say go out and see a movie or something. But no, even AMC doesn't want you to go see a movie yet. They have pushed back their reopening another couple weeks. Keep pushing it back. It's not safe. Stay at home. I want you to quarantine with a movie or something, everybody. Thanks for watching. And we'll see you again next time. Where can you find Cinema Draft? We are on Twitter, at Play Cinema Draft. Facebook, Cinema Draft. Instagram, at Play Cinema Draft. Medium, at Cinema Draft. That is our corporate blog. We're even on Pinterest, Cinema Draft. Also, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Music, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. And finally, please visit us at cinemadraft.co and sign up for an invite to the relaunch. We will always have games where you can sign up, play for free, and win real money. Cinema Draft is a registered mark of Cinema Draft LLC. Both the Cinema Draft game and the CD3D decentralized app token are for entertainment purposes only.